This is the day the Lord has made. Thank you for joining us in worship today. We praise God for you and however you're listening. We pray the message you receive will allow you to strengthen your relationship in Christ and build his kingdom as we seek God, shape lives, and serve the world. I ain't going to help myself that much. (laughs) Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. If you've been connected to the series for the year, Pastor has been teaching us about what it means for us to be ambassadors for Christ. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul the Apostle told the church at Corinth that we are literally begging people in Christ's stead, he says, to be reconciled to God. And he said that we have this ministry of reconciliation. Let the church say reconciliation. And pastor has been preaching about this theme. Galen, is that your son right there? That, that's your son? Is that really him? That's Jaden? Is it for real? Okay, that's crazy to me. Sorry about that. Wow, okay. So we, we getting old, amen. We getting old, we getting old, we getting old. We get, y'all getting old, y'all getting old, y'all getting old. But pastor's been helping us to uh, position ourselves to be ambassadors for Christ. And when you think about what an ambassador is, it is a person on foreign land representing a particular embassy. So like overseas right now, there are U.S. embassies in Africa and Asia and other parts of the world. And those individuals who are um, emissaries or ambassadors, they represent the interest of the United States overseas. For those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, we are ambassadors of the kingdom of God. We're on foreign territory. Because Peter says to his letter in the church in the New Testament that we are strangers and pilgrims in this world. So we are literally on foreign territory representing the kingdom of heaven, begging men, women, boys, and girls to receive the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel is the only way that we might be saved of our sins. And so with that thought in mind, and pastor has been literally painting a powerful picture of what it means for us to be ambassadors. I want to look at this this morning from a personal perspective of those of us who are followers of Christ. How does the call to evangelism fit within our personal purpose as believers? So what I'll focus on this morning. It's in Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. If you'll indulge me and just stand to your feet for the reading of the scriptures. Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. What does it mean for us to be witnesses, to be ambassadors, to be disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ? And for those who are present here in the sanctuary and online, Uh, who have not yet become a follower of Jesus, uh, we're going to give you an opportunity to hook that up in a moment as well. Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, here's what the Word of God says. One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the Word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, For the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push out into the water. So he sat, Jesus sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper 
One version says, launch out into the deep and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in other boats and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me alone. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck. He was startled by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, listen to this, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. As soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Father, would you arrest our attention as your word goes forth? We ask that you will remove hindrances and distractions that will keep us from receiving what you have for us on today. Position our thoughts and our emotions and even our physical capacity to receive what you have for us so that we might be more effective ambassadors for Jesus Christ. We pray that every person in this sanctuary and in the virtual space, young and old, that we'll all receive this word so that we might be more effective witnesses for you. We give you and you alone the praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Let all of God's people say amen. amen. You may take your seats in the presence of the Lord. I want to read for emphasis verse number 10 of Luke chapter 5, where we would draw our subject from his partners, Simon's fishing partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, they were also amazed. And Jesus replied to Simon, listen to his words, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. I want to label this passage Preparation for abundance. Preparation for abundance. Let the church say preparation. Let the whole church say preparation for abundance. Family, allow me to preface today's message with a simple but powerful concept that derived from a book entitled The Emotional Intelligence of Jesus by Roy Oswald and Arland Jacobson. This book provides a critical analysis of the life of Jesus, but from a psychological perspective. Roy Oswald and Arlen Jacobson makes the argument that when we look at the life of Jesus, that we must not only observe his life from a spiritual perspective or a physical perspective, but we must also look at the mindset of Jesus. I think that is a very interesting point of view and an interesting perspective because scripture teaches us that as believers in Christ, that we are called to be imitators of Christ. Paul had this in mind in Philippians chapter two, verse number five, when he encouraged the saints at Philippi to let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Paul also had this thought in mind in first Corinthians chapter number three, when he spoke about the spiritual and the mental capacity of the disciple of Jesus. 
He says that you and I, as believers in Christ, once we receive Christ as Lord and Savior of our lives, we receive the gift of God's Holy Spirit. And therefore, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 that we have the mind of Christ that you and I have the capacity to think like Christ, which is significant because if we're going to live like Christ, we must first begin thinking like Christ. This is so interesting when you think about it, Pastor, because everything about our lives starts in our thoughts. The Bible teaches us that as a person thinks in their heart, so is he or she, that everything about our lives all is derived from our thinking capacity. When you look at the sum total of your life right now, you are living on the level of your thinking. That if God can get a hold of your mind and if you can let the Holy Spirit just capture your thoughts, that you and I will be in position to think like Christ in order for us to live like Christ. And this book, The Emotional Intelligence of Jesus, shows us that there are some uh, variations in our thinking that literally helps us to understand why we are in the positions that we're in right now. This concept known as emotional intelligence was first coined by two researchers named John Mayer and Peter Solovey, but was later popularized by a renowned psychologist named Daniel Goldman. Listen to this definition. Emotional intelligence is the ability to understand and manage your emotional state. It is also the ability to recognize and to influence the emotions of people around you. Emotional intelligence is your thinking capacity. It's your ability to regulate your emotions by way of the Holy Spirit. And in this book, The Emotional Intelligence of Jesus, I'm using this as a preface because in this book, Deacon Ely, the author says that there are two types of thinking that controls how we live and ultimately will determine our lifestyle. Number one, there is what we call scarcity thinking. Let the church say scarcity thinking. The two authors of this book suggest that the people that Jesus interacted with in the first century, including his disciples, they possessed a scarcity mentality. People with a scarcity mentality focused on limitations. They only focus on their immediate needs. They have no desire to launch out into new adventures in life because they are stuck in the present. The other type of people, the other type of thinking rather that this book references is what they call abundance thinking. Let the church say abundance thinking. So scarcity thinking people think about limitations. Abundance thinking people focus on possibility. People who possess an abundance mentality, they are grounded in their confidence in God's graciousness and God's generosity. Scarcity thinking people are stingy because they're afraid to take risk. They're afraid to release their resources. They're afraid to step out into the purpose that God has for their lives because they are stuck at being safe. They love what is comfortable. They love what is familiar. They love what is predictable. It's called scarcity thinking. It is the idea that I love where I am so much that I'll be willing to live and to die in this state because I don't want to step out and trust God for more. On the other hand, abundance thinking people focus on possibilities because their faith is not rooted in their own abilities. Their faith is rooted in the graciousness and the generosity of our almighty God. 
abundance thinking people recognizes that I can always release my resources because the same God that blessed me with what I have right now is going to bless me with more if I continue to be faithful to him. Abundance thinking people, they're not afraid to take risk for the kingdom of God. They're not afraid to step out into their purpose. Why? Because they recognize that the same God that has strengthened them in previous seasons will also strengthen them in the current season of their lives. Abundance thinking people recognize that we serve a God that is literally able, Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20, to do exceeding. Any Bible readers that might the right church? And abundantly... There you go. Above all, we can ask or think according to the power working in us. I got some people in the sanctuary online that can testify that I don't have to ever worry about what God is going to do with my life because I have a proven track record that God knows how to take good care of me. And if we will be honest, we ain't just blessed. Many of us are spoiled because we serve a God who does exceeding. Do I have any witnesses that can testify that God hadn't just blessed you, but he's given you favor above and beyond your capacity to receive it. That's why giving is so important because God literally says that when we give to him, he'll give it back to us. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall people give back to us because with the same measure that we use to release it, God's going to use that same measure to give it back to us. The same God that says if you give me a dime out of every dollar, I'll open up the windows of heaven and pour you out such blessing that you won't have room enough to receive. Anybody can testify that you're so blessed, you need to be given stuff away all summer because we don't serve a God of enough no we serve a God of more than enough and he blesses us lavishly and richly according to the word of God so that we might be a blessing to others when you think about it here it is Jesus really is the physical demonstration of the abundant nature of God yeah, Jesus is. Jesus, God in human flesh. Jesus, the Son of God, God's Son, our Savior. He's literally uh, the personification of abundance. John chapter 10, verse 10 shows it to us. Do you know your Bible? Jesus says the thief comes, but to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, but I've come that you might have and have it more Somebody just shout abundance. It's this kind of abundance that positions us to recognize, here it is as I segue into the text, that abundance does not only apply to my resources and my finances, it also applies to my purpose. That God doesn't want to just use me a little bit. (laughs) God desires to use me in abundance. Oh, he want a whole lot of people to be blessed by what he's given to you and I. He want for, for young people and, and senior citizens and middle ages, people of all ages and stages to be blessed by what he's given unto us. It's, it's this kind of abundance that positions us to recognize that God desires to use us in a supernatural way. But in order for God to use us that way, here's where the text comes, that God literally has... He has to position us for abundance. God has to expose us, our king, to certain people and certain relationships and certain situations 
that, that opens our eyes to this concept of abundance. Um, I don't know if I'm making the connection. Uh, here it is. Um, my wife and I, we, we, we love to travel. We, we've been married as of June the 14th, 15 years. Can y'all believe that? 15. Some of y'all at the wedding, F-A-B, right? Digging around 15 years. And, and, and we've been traveling for 15 years. And, and we, we just got back last week from Miami. And we love to go to these nice restaurants. Uh-huh. Any bougie saints in the house? Any bougie saints? Yeah, I see you. Uh-huh. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yeah. We're not going to go out of town and eat at Zaxby's. Amen. We, yeah, we, we're not going to go to Miami and eat at Chick-fil-A. Amen. We, yeah, show me the finest steakhouse. I, I want some seafood. I, I want some caviar and some stuff that I can't pronounce. And, and sometimes we go to these restaurants, and uh, the first time we were at this uh, restaurant in New York, Times Square, is called Legal Sea. Beautiful uh, seafood place in Times Square, New York. Ordered our appetizers, eating, getting ready for the main course. Pastor, the waiter brings out uh, sorbet. You know, that's like sherbet. But when you've been exposed, it's sorbet. I'm tripping. I'm trying to figure out why in the world would he bring me dessert before the main course? I said, listen, we from the South. This is not how we get down. I need the steak and the potatoes first. Then let's do the sorbet or the sherbet. The man said, sir, you, you got it all wrong. This, this is sorbet. It's not dessert. It's designed to clean your palate so that you can enjoy what's to come. You know why God let you be in worship today? God sent you here to clean your spiritual palate to get you ready for what's to come. To give you an appetite for abundance because God wants to use you more than you can see right now. Tap somebody tell them God wants to use you. He wants to use you. And in order for God to use us in this way, here it is. Here's the text. Here's the text. God has to expose us and prepare us for abundance. That's my thesis, and it's right here in the text. One day, text says Jesus was preaching to a large crowd when he noticed two empty boats at the edge of the water. Do you see the text? Jesus stepped into one of the boats and used it as a floating pulpit to teach this large crowd. The story informs us that Jesus encouraged Simon, who was the owner of that boat, here it is, to launch out into deeper water in order to catch some fish. Now, this is challenging, Pastor, because Simon had to leave the safety of shallow waters and explore the danger of deep water. This is critical. This is really interesting when you think about it, because we must be willing to leave the safety of our shallow living in order to explore the deep things that God desires to expose us to. Because every promise that we have from God, here it is, is located on the other side of our comfort zone. You cannot walk in God's purpose for your life as an ambassador for Christ and be comfortable. Because discipleship, I wish I had some witnesses, following Jesus ain't comfortable. 
living for Jesus in a pluralistic society where everybody gets to determine their own truth ain't easy. So we cannot be comfortable and be purposeful. And like Peter, like Simon, you and I must be willing to step out into deeper waters to explore the wonderful things that God desires to do in and through our lives. He says, Simon, you got to leave the, the banks of the water and launch out deeper. Now, this is problematic because notice Peter's response. I'm, I'm right here in the text. He, he says, Master, we've been working all night and hadn't caught any fish. But watch his language. And when you read it in the original Greek New Testament, it is a reply of sarcasm. We've been fishing all night, but if you say so. Right? See, see, there's some biblical words like nevertheless. That just means, yeah, I'll do it reluctantly. Because think about it. Don't miss this. Tell your neighbor, don't miss this, don't miss this. Because why would a professional fisherman take fishing advice from a carpenter? Listen to Pete. Simon is telling him, Jesus, this is what I do. We've been working all last night. Why? Because when you study the context behind this text, you will know that fishermen in this text, in this region, would fish at night. Because it would be more difficult for the fish to see the nets at night. They were fishing at night on shallow waters because that's what fishermen did. The next day, Jesus says, it's daytime, go out into the deep, which is totally contradictory to what fishermen did. What's the lesson? That if you want to see God do the impossible, you got to do the illogical. Because sometimes when you move in purpose, God will tell you to do some stuff that don't make sense. I wish I had some people in the room that can testify that in my lifetime, God has instructed me to do some stuff, and I didn't understand it, but when I did it, it led to an abundance of supply. Peter had to do something that was contradictory to his nature as a fisherman, but look at the results. His abundance, his purpose was on the other side of his comfort zone. My, my, my counselor, one of my counselors said to me one day, his name is Dan Darden. He's a retired Methodist pastor. He, he said to me, wonderful, wonderful, spirit-filled Caucasian brother. He said to me one day, we were sitting down. He said, Pastor, he says, uh, Paul, here's what you got to understand. Your comfort zone is a beautiful garden where nothing grows. It's safe, it's convenient, it's familiar. But what if I told you that God didn't call you to be safe? And God didn't call you to be convenient. And God didn't call you to be committed to what is familiar. That sometimes when you want to see God move, you got to be willing to do something that's contradictory to what you are familiar with. Here is a professional fisherman taking fishing advice from a carpenter. And he says... Okay, if you say so, I, I'll let down the nets. But, but notice what happens. 
what happens? He let down the nets, and the text says that an abundant supply of fish jumped to the boat. Oh, uh, uh, everybody say abundance. So much so that he could not contain all of the fish. So the text said he had to call for his fishing partners to come and grab some too. Nudge somebody real quick. Come on, nudge them with your elbow real quick. Tell them this is about to bless you real quick. Let me see if this applies to you. Good to see you, Jason. I'm in a season of my life where I'm not thinking about being blessed just for me. I don't know if I'm coming through. I'm in a season of my life that I want to be so blessed that everybody around me experiences the overflow of the favor that's on my life. Simon obeyed Jesus, but James and John got blessed. <laughs> Don't y'all make me work hard. Simon followed some crazy instructions, but the people connected to him got the same blessing. Tap somebody for the last time today. Tap them. You better be glad you sit next to me. Oh, because there's a favor on my life and I'm in a season where I don't mind sharing. I don't mind giving what God has gave to me because he's given me so much I can't help but to let some of it go. See, when you walk in obedience to God, the people connected to you will experience the kind of favor that's on your life. Favor is contagious. Simon obeyed but James and John got blessed because purpose is about using what God has given you to be a blessing to somebody else. There are some people who can never see this kind of abundance because you've made your whole life about you. Historically, we've even sang about it. It's me. It's me. It's me, oh Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. Watch how selfish this is. Not my brother. Not my sister. We might as well say, forget everybody else, God. Just bless me. But being blessed ain't just about you. Because the only reason that God will give blessings to you is when he knows he can get blessings through you. Simon followed the instructions, but James and John got blessed. <laughs> but then, I'm done, verse 9 says something very interesting. That when Peter saw this abundance, this is how you know he wasn't used to it, Arkeem. He, he saw this abundance, and the text says he was awestruck, or he was astonished. It is an emotional response to something I've never experienced. What Peter is really saying, Sister House, is that I've been doing this my whole life. I ain't never seen nothing like this. I've never seen this amount of fish. I've never seen this. And instead of responding with gratitude, watch your Bible, he responds in fear. Because fear 
will paralyze your purpose. Fear will keep you from telling people about Jesus who you know need to be told about Jesus. Fear will keep you safe as a pew member when you know you need to get more involved in your church. Uh-huh. Look at the person next to you. Tell him he's talking to you, not me. That's, they're talking to you. Fear. Fear will cause you to hold back that which God has released to you. Because fear paralyzes us when it comes to walking in our purpose. And listen to how Jesus responds. He says, Simon, what does he say? Don't be afraid. Simon, don't let your fear get in the way of your assignment. Simon, don't let your insecurities, preach pastor, don't let your inadequacies, don't let your imposter syndrome, don't let your anxiety, don't let your past failures get in the way of your assignment. Simon, don't be afraid. Don't respond in fear. I know you've never seen this before, but Simon, here's what you got to know. I'm done with this, Minister Curry. What you got to know, Simon, is that what I just did, please don't knock your neighbor over. It ain't really about fish. <laughs> the abundance of fish was an illustration of what was going to happen with people. Do you see it? Come on, look at your Bible. Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you're going to be fishing for people. So the fish miracle, the abundance of fish was a demonstration of what Jesus was going to do with Peter's ministry. The same way you caught a large number of fish, I'm going to use you to catch a large number of people. <laughs> the same way I showed you abundance in one arena of your life, it's going to be transferred to another arena of your life. Because abundance ain't just about money. It's about your purpose. Peter, don't be afraid. From now on, I want to use you to catch people. That's what pastor's been focusing on this year. It's about positioning ourselves to recognize that we are not here for ourselves. We are saved by grace, through faith, not of ourselves, it is a gift of God, lest any man should boast. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, verse 10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. That, that's why you're here. You're saved for a purpose. And until we position our thoughts and our minds on being used by God, you'll never see the type of peace and fulfillment that you desire. Because it's only this kind of peace that comes with following God's purpose. Oh, it's true. I'm done, but I gotta tell you one more thing. I've been studying biblical texts 
I've been in ministry for 22 years, full-time, 20 of those 22 years. Reading the Bible, still a whole lot I don't know. But there's something that struck me a few weeks ago. Hey, Sister Shavuot, something that struck me a few weeks ago, Pastor. Fishing is one of the dominant professions in the Bible. Old and New Testament. People would fish. I'm going to tell you something. Don't get too excited. Or do. When you read biblical texts, Old and New Testament, you will never see people fishing with a pole. <laughs> in the Bible old and new you'll never see and so and so was fishing with a pole it's always nets <laughs> come on so, some of y'all you had not had breakfast yet I, I was trying not to have to explain it. Because you do know with a pole. <laughs> Somebody say abundance. And some of us are living fishing pole lives when you have net capacity. Sitting on the dock of the bay, watching the tyro. No, he didn't call us to fish one by one. That's what it is, ain't it, Pastor? Nets. Mult multiple fish. That's the kind of thinking that God desires for us to graduate towards. It's true about your money, but it's also true about your purpose. And so as we prepare to pray, our king, play something for us, my brother. As we prepare to pray, here's what I want you to focus on in prayer. Y'all done made me drop my bracelet while I was preaching. Bless you, Jesus. Stand with me. Did the Lord say something to you today? Here's what I want you to consider. Here's a simple, here's a simple prayer request. I want us to pray this for the week. And Pastor, you've been challenging us this on this not just for this year, but you've, your ministry has really been about evangelism and reaching out. Here's what I want us to consider. It's no way possible that we're going to experience transformation in our world through political systems. Should we be politically and civically involved? Absolutely. Absolutely. We are the salt of the earth, Jesus says. We are the light of the world. That's what Jesus said about us. Of course, we're supposed to be civically and socially involved. But what the world needs is not more policy. We need some. We need a whole lot. But more than that, 
the world needs Jesus. See, this is old-fashioned preaching, right? It's just old. You and I must still be convinced that the only hope this world has is found in Jesus. It doesn't matter how contemporary we get, how innovative we get, all that's great. Technology, all that's great. But Jesus, that's what the world needs. When you see what's happening all around us, it is clear that this world is void of Jesus. Crime and violence and political chaos, right? International conflict. Have y'all watched the news lately? We are literally living in the last days. And what our mission must be is to tell as many people as possible about a savior <laughs> that, can that can transform our lives. Anybody experienced that before? Have you experienced that before? So whatever your profession is, think about the text, whatever your profession is, God desires to use you within your profession to reach people. You don't have to be a preacher to tell people about Jesus. Right? You don't have to be called to ministry. All of us are called to ministry. For the young people in the room, when you go to your school, that's your mission field. People ought to see something in you that they don't see in other people. Because you have Jesus in your life. When, when we go to our jobs, they ought to see a reflection of Jesus in us. That's how the world is going to experience salvation. It's us being in position to be ambassadors. We are representing Christ on foreign territory. And I want us to bow our heads in prayer. We're going to extend the invitation to discipleship. Pastor, am I doing the invitation? We're going to extend the invitation, but then we're going to do an altar prayer. Because we need to be in position to be saved and to be used by God. If you're here today and you have not confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, salvation is so simple. <laughs> it's so simple. We make it difficult, but it really ain't difficult. As a matter of fact, in that same song, I believe it is, Pastor, that hymn, lift them up when it says... Uh, lift them up by living as a Christian all that the world and you the Savior see one of those verses says preach the gospel simple full and free it's simple it's simple if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead you'll be saved now listen saved from sin but saved for a purpose. Because you're not just saved so that you don't go to hell. That's the first reason. That's a good reason. Uh-huh. Bump somebody real quick. Come on, bump them. Tell them, thank God for fire insurance. Amen. Bless the Lord. We're glad about that. But if you were saved just so that you would not go to hell, the moment you got saved, God would have snatched you out of the world. So that means that if you have a pulse, you have a purpose. If you're still alive, there's a reason why you're still alive. And if you're not saved today, I want you to come and 
come and receive Christ right now. If you're not saved, everybody joining somebody by the hand if you're comfortable doing that. We'll sanitize later. Join somebody by the hand. If you're not a Christian, real softly, man, real softly. If you can't answer this question that I'm about to ask, I want you to squeeze a neighbor's hand. If you can't answer this with confidence, God forbid, but if I were to die today, I know for sure that I'm going to heaven to live with Jesus forever. If you can't say that for sure, I want you to squeeze that person's hand that you're holding. If, listen to the question. God forbid, but if I were to die today, the statement rather, if I were to die today, I know for sure I'm going to heaven to live with Jesus. If you can't say that emphatically, I mean with 100% surety, I want you to just squeeze that person's hand that you're holding. If somebody squeezed your hand, I want you to lift that hand up. If somebody squeezed your hand, okay? Squeeze your hand. If you got a hand lifted, I want you to encourage that person to walk to the nearest aisle. Walk up front. And the ministers, the deacons, we're going to get you connected to Jesus. If you can't say for sure now, you can't say for sure, I know that I'm going to heaven. Who are you? Squeeze that neighbor's hand. If somebody squeezed your hand, just lift it up so that I can see it. I got hands lifted. Okay, I want you, if you would, if you don't mind, just start walking. Just start walking. If you can't say that for sure, come on, start walking. Start walking. Come on, celebrate. Somebody shout hallelujah. Come on, the Bible says that heaven rejoices over one soul. Now here's the second call. Come on, grab that hand again. Grab the hand again. Here's the second call. Here's the second call. Here's the second call. Pastor Paul, I'm not a member of a church. And I live in this local community. And I want to join First African today. Today. I'm not a member of a church. Can I encourage you in saying this? If you're not a member of a church, you're out of purpose. Because God doesn't use us as long ranger Christians. He uses us in connection or in fellowship with what he calls the ecclesia or the church. We do this in community with one another. It is, we are the body of Christ. And so if you're, not a, if you're a Christian without a church, you are spiritually homeless. And you need to get connected today. Anybody need to join the church? Squeeze that neighbor's hand. We have the virtual space. Those of you who virtually just send a message in the chat. Or if you live out of town, but the Lord is telling you to connect here, guess what? You can be a part of the virtual membership as well. We just need you to get connected to a church where you can grow and give and learn and to share the gifts that God has given to you. Anybody squeeze the neighbor's hand for church membership? Anybody? Everybody's saved. Everybody's a member of a church. Here's the last call. If you want to come very quickly for prayer, you know that God has called you for a purpose. And you hadn't done everything necessary to get in position for purpose but God spoke to you today, and you want to come to the altar for prayer. Can you come quickly? Can you come quickly? Can you come quickly? Come on, come quickly. Come quickly. Come quickly. Come quickly. There's a purpose. There's a, there's a purpose for why you're here. There's a purpose. There's a purpose. There's a purpose. 
You're not here on accident. God allowed you to be here in church today so that you can hear this message to get you back into position. Come on, I see you coming. I see you coming. We're going to wait for you. We're going to wait for you today. I see young people coming. I see people of all ages coming. And this is what it's all about right here. As we pray together, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. Listen to me. Shh. I want to encourage you. Fulfillment in life, peace in life, satisfaction in life will never be found in you doing what you want to do. Never. Jesus makes a statement like this. Sometimes we hear this stuff, man. Jesus says some very powerful stuff. And we hear it, but do we really hear it? You know what Jesus says? Come on, young man. You know what Jesus says? Listen to what Jesus says. If you want to save your life, give it away. <laughs> but if you want to lose your life, try to hold on to it. That's what Jesus says. The best way for you to receive life to the fullest is for you to give your life away. And then Jesus asked what I believe in Scripture is the most powerful and poignant question, Sister Mitchell. This question that Jesus asked is absolutely powerful. Listen to the question. Listen to me. What does it profit a human being? I need y'all to hear me today. To gain the whole world. But lose your soul. And y'all know what we do? Young and old, we chase money. We chase stuff, right? Material, oh, more of this. What, what benefit is it going to be to get all of that, but your soul is lost? So Jesus says, you want to you save your life? He says, give it away. Give it away. Just, just give your life away to God. Let, just be in position to say, God, whatever you want to do with me, you can do it. And when you get to that place, that's where your peace is going to be. That's where your fulfillment is. But as long as you try to hold on to your life and do your own thing, you're going to be miserable until you die. Can you give me that, Arkeem? I give myself away. We're going to pray now. Join somebody by the hand. Join somebody by the hand. Join somebody by the hand. Come on, I want you to start praying right where you are. We're moving quickly. Time has been well spent, but the Holy Spirit is moving, and we're not going to rush the Spirit. Pastor said I'm in order, so we're in order. Come on, start praying right now. Come on, let's just pray. Father, forgive us for what we've held on to our own lives. Somebody needs to, somebody needs to say to God today, have mercy on me for, for running from my purpose. There are some people in this sanctuary, you know exactly what God is calling you to do. And you've ran away from it. You're never going to be blessed. You're never going to receive this kind of abundance that this text was talking about until you get in position to be used by God. I give myself away. If you don't know what to say, just make this your prayer today. Come on, praise team. I give myself away 
So you can use me. I give myself away. Oh God, I give myself away. So you come on, saints. Come on, I give myself away. I give myself away. Oh God, I give myself away. So you can use me. I give myself away. Now, once you finish your prayer, I want you to lift your hands in the presence of the Lord and sing this. Can you sing this part? My life is not my own. Can you say that part for us? My life is not my own. To you I belong. I give myself. I give myself to you. Yes, Lord. My life is not my own. Listen. Give myself to you. Listen, as we're as we're getting ready to go back to our seats, listen. The very last verse of chapter five, verse eleven from the text we just listened to, that we just preached from. Listen. Shh, listen. The Bible says, after this encounter with Jesus, they left everything and followed him. <laughs> You can't, you can't hold on and follow him. Discipleship is about leaving some people, leaving some places, leaving some habits. The text says they left everything. They literally dropped their nets and walked away and just followed Jesus. That's the kind of radical obedience Jesus is requiring of us. Somebody shout radical obedience. That's the kind of radical obedience he's requiring. Father, in Jesus' name, we lift our hands in your presence to confess that we have not done everything that you've called us to. We've allowed our lives in many ways to be self-absorbed our vision and our goals and our dreams and our ambitions. Father, forgive us. Yes, God. We've made it so much about ourselves. And I ask that you will purge and cleanse us of selfishness and scarcity thinking and being self-focused in such a way that we forget about why we're here. Where we've been dishonorable in our behavior and habits and relationships. Purge us and cleanse us and fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. For the person who needs clarity about their purpose, I pray that you'll show it to them. That it'll be crystal clear to them. That they'll know exactly why you've called them to salvation. 
Your word commands us in Ephesians chapter 4 to walk worthy of the calling by which you have called us. Help us to be more faithful in your word, in prayer, in ministry, in giving. Help us to give ourselves over to you so that you can use us. And now, Father, for the person who's standing or sitting next to us and the person in the virtual space, we ask for your blessing over their lives. We won't be so selfish to make this moment just about us. But, oh, my brother, my sister needs you today, too. So touch them in a supernatural way. Don't let grief and don't let depression and don't let anxiety and fear and failures and sin block us or paralyze us from our purpose. Heal us. Restore us. So that you can use us abundantly. And we'll be so careful to give you and you alone all the praise, honor, and the glory. In Jesus' name we pray that all of God's people say amen. amen. Listen, as you're returning to your seats, I want you to just find a person around you and just give them a hug and tell them, now walk in purpose. Come on, hug them and tell them, now walk in purpose. Come on, just tell them, now walk in purpose. Hallelujah. We give God praise. We give God honor. We give God glory. If you got a pulse, you got a purpose. Hallelujah. Woo! Y'all see why when I found out that the Benjamin family was going to be in reunion and Pastor Paul Little was coming with them when I said, you preaching this Sunday. What a mighty God we serve. Hallelujah. Woo! I got a couple of observations. One observation I have is uh, I, I, I apologize, First African. I, I apologize. I apologize. I, I've been telling you since we started in December, been praying. I said, we're going to baptize at least one every first Sunday. We're going to stop pole fishing. We ain't looking for one every first Sunday. Yeah, we're we going to fish with nets. Now, you know, God bless Reverend Little and I to be joined together, and, and we could start preaching. He could start a sermon. I could, finish, I could start a sermon. He'll finish. God has blessed us. But there's one thing he didn't say, and I want you to make sure you have. Well, he said it. He said everything needed to be said. But in your reaching folk, and we're talking about when well, you're saying, well, I don't, I, all I know how to fish with a pole. Now, now, now we need you to net fish, fish, fish for many folk. But the, there's a net you could use that you use every day. But you need to use that net to catch men, catch women, catch boys. Get, that's the internet. When you send this stuff out, send the word of God out. What you said, and I do do what you can. That those we on the internet, y'all. We we catch it all, y'all. Yeah, that yeah. We want you to come to know Jesus, and then tell others about what a great God we serve. Abundant baptism. <laughs> yeah. Hi, I'm I'm done. Glad to see Brother Corey Howard. God, thank you, brother. He's a sports anchor for WSAV in the house. He came to worship with us. I, 
He was, at, he was actually doing sports on last night, and I texted him and said, come to church tomorrow. He said, I do my best, and he's here. Thank you, Brother Coy. Thank you so much. Next Sunday is Deacon's Ordination Sunday. I didn't mention that. Five, four o'clock on next Sunday. That's third Sunday, right? Yeah. Next Sunday, four o'clock. Deacon's Ordination. Please be here and share with those. Our deacons in training who are present, won't you please stand? Deacons in training so you know who's being, who's going to be. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you. We have three more, and I know they're on the internet. God bless you. You're standing too. All right. All right. Praise the Lord. And we're also in prayer with Deacon Hagrid and his family in the passing of his sister-in-law. Deacon Hagrid's uh, sister-in-law passed. They're going to be with this family. So keep Deacon Hagrid and his family in prayer also. Um, I'm going to ask on this today that you would give as you leave um, for Reverend Paul Little. This often is going to Reverend Paul Little. Uh, and there are some who um, normally always give on online through Givelify. So you see the envelope for Reverend Paul Little on Givelify as well. And so Reverend Little, you will get the conclusion of all that was given on today on Thursday. We'll put in the mail on Thursday or we'll get it to you. But um, if you give online, it's on Givelify, G-I-V-E-L-I-F-Y. I know that those online want to give also. So go to Givelify. You get a vacation Bible school. You give the tithes. You give your offering. You can give the offering to Reverend Little. But those who are in building as you leave, the money for First African Baptist Church goes in the black box. The money in the baskets go to Reverend Paul Little. Box, church, basket, little. Not little basket, but basket, little. <laughs> Pretty big basket, all right? Again, we thank God for it. He's going to come and, and give his closing remarks and benediction. Uh, I know we already mentioned his family, but glad to see Reverend Little's mother as well. God bless you always. Amen, Sister Coswell. To God be the glory. Man, let us stand. Thank you again, Pastor, for the opportunity and for uh, allowing us to be back and to share. And um, um, oh, Friday, what time is this? the uh, home going service? Ten o'clock. Ten a.m. Amen. So if the Lord says the same, we plan to plan on being back. I'm planning on being back. Yes, yeah, so the Morgan uh, has been a tremendous blessing uh, to me over the years, and course, Angela and their family. Matter of fact, the last time I preached here, uh, she showed up with a sweet potato pie. She was sitting right over there in that corner, and she lifted that pie up, and I almost fell out the pulpit. <laughs> so we'll be here to celebrate her life. She's been uh, such a blessing to so many people, and it's a blessing. So good to see everyone today. Again, our family is here. We're, very, we're just very thankful. And to the Fraser hyphen Poussant. Oh, oh, okay. I got it. Poussant. She said no. We're going to get this right before we leave church. With a J? Somebody, somebody come up. Somebody come up. We're not, no, y'all come up. We're not going to leave until we get this right. Come on up here. Y'all give her a hand. <laughs> Because pastor said, like croissant. They said, no, that ain't. <laughs> okay, come on up, my sister. Help, help us out. It's the Fraser Pazant family. Pazant. Pazant. Yes. The Pazants are from here in Savannah. The Frasers are from Hilton Head and Beaufort. Oh, great. Y'all give them another hand. Pazant. Nice to meet you guys. I wanted to get it right. So I was going to say. <laughs> 
I was saying what you were saying. <laughs> Pazant. Oh, that, that, I like that. F Fraser Pazant. I mean, it just sounds, you know what I mean? Just, just a blessed. Y'all a blessed family. We pray that y'all had a blessed reunion on today. Um, let us pray. Let us pray. Father, thank you for worship today, for the demonstration of your grace for my family and for family reunion season and for loved ones and God for how you're blessing FAB and how we're just seeing the flourishing and the growth of little children who are, who are getting older and as, as we're seeing more fruitfulness in that generation. Father, give us a greater commitment to reach lost souls for Christ. Thank you for all of the guests, not only in the sanctuary, but those online as well. We just pray that you will continue to surround us with your grace and your goodness. Be with Brother Bell and his family as they travel back to their different residences. We pray that you will protect us all. Bring us back here this week as we celebrate Sister Morgan and be with all of the prayer requests and those who have lost loved ones. Be with our family and our loss this weekend as well. Just praying for your strength and your comfort over us and over everyone who's going through a season of bereavement. We just pray that you'll continue to bless and keep our pastor and our leading lady. Keep them healthy and strong as they continue to lead us forward. Thank you for Natalie. Thank you for family and friends. We give you praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Remain connected to us as we build God's kingdom together. Join us on Facebook at the historic First African Baptist Church and our website, firstafricanbc.com. You may also contribute through an app called Givelify, G-I-V-E-L-I-F-Y. May God bless you and thank you for worshiping with us.